Well, praise the Lord. Uh, this is sort of new for us. And, uh, but the Lord knew this. And uh, He knew that you're going to ask ahead. And my wife had, had everything prepared, actually. She had written a lot down. So I'm going to let her read a lot for a couple reasons. Uh, I'm too emotional. Uh, even though this took place 33 years ago, it is a very, very tender spot for my wife and I. And uh, I'd just like to encourage you, you. Uh, you've got something that is priceless. You've been taught a lot of truth. We were not at that place. We did not hear that stuff. We learned the hard way, although God in His tenderness, He watched over us and blessed us and, uh, and led us through. But uh, what we're going to do, we're going to share, and uh, I just ask your, uh, your forgiveness if I get too emotional. Uh, it's... Uh, it's precious to it. But anyway, I'm going to begin, then she's going to switch and go to hers, and then I'll come back to mine, and then she'll go to hers, and, and such. As she said, I, I did not bring this along to share. It just so happened to be in my book. But it didn't get in your book by jumping in there. You know, no. you wrote it. <laughs> I was asked to share my testimony one other time, and so I had written it down, so we're, that helped us a lot. Okay, let's stop her first. Father, you know our hearts and you know exactly where we're coming from and I just again marvel at your grace as I look back over the 30 some odd years. I pray, Lord, you would give us grace and you would give us that, that, uh, that ability to sort through these things and, and praise you through it. Lord, I want you lifted up. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord. And it's about your grace and about the loving, blessed Son of yours, Jesus Christ. For in his name we ask this. Amen. Amen. As childhood, as a childhood, I was born and raised in an Amish home with 14 children in back in Pennsylvania, and uh, my dad was a preacher. I grew up knowing nothing else but my dad a preacher. Okay. I was born and raised raised in homes in Wayne County, Ohio, uh, which is the largest Amish settlement in the world. Um, I was there were not there were nine of us siblings growing up together. Five boys and four girls, exactly what Ronnie and I have now. <laughs> uh, yeah, most of our neighbors for miles around were Amish, so uh, I mean we could travel for miles and miles and miles, and and uh, we were all Amish, so that's all I was used to. And I was kind of like a like all little children are that this little spot in the globe revolves around my little community. Uh, Okay, I'll give a little bit of uh, insight on my teenage years. By the time I was 14, I was very conscientious. And by the way, we lived miles apart and never knew each other existed. But uh, by the time I was 14, I was very conscientious and had a deep fear of God ingrained in me. I was very conscientious uh, uh, to the point where I had a, I had a prayer life. Uh, I believe that is possible. People have asked, well, how can you have a prayer life before you're saved? I know you can I had a prayer life long, long before I was saved. I prayed to God, and I daily talked with God. And uh, by the time I was 16, my parents, they would not allow us to go with the youth until we had read the New Testament through in German. And uh, all of us children had to do that at home. And so I got that accomplished before I was 16. But, and, and I studied the prayers of uh, what the Amish people have. They basically pray out of a book. And there's prayer books that they have, very interesting prayers, some of them are two, three, four pages long. I memorized all of those. By the time I was 21, 
I could pray the morning and evening prayer and in between there without a book. I could pray, I mean, it would take you five minutes, ten minutes solid just just uh, reading it. And I, uh, I prayed those prayers. But uh, anyway, the older I got, the greater, challenge, uh, the greater the challenge of avoiding sin became. And there was times I remember very vividly that I wished I was a bird because all I saw was, was uh, condemnation. All I saw was uh, no escape. And, and I thought, you know, if I would have just been born a bird, I could fly away. And, and if, I, if I do die, it's all over. And I used to talk, think about wanting to go to the remotest parts of British Columbia somewhere so that I could escape the world, I could escape sin and the temptations that are with the world and sin, not knowing that the greatest deceptive thing was right within my breast and uh, I would have taken the world with me. But uh, I went through a heartbreaking experience in my teenage years. Uh, it was my own choosing, but I went through a heartbreaking experience in courtship and that will give me a little validity in what I'm sharing this afternoon. But uh, it was my choosing. It was something that God did in my heart and in my life. And I chose that route and I ended up going through a tremendous heartbreak through it. But through that I became all the more God conscious. To the point where I actually went to the ministers of the church and confessed all my sins. Trying to find some kind of relief in that. And uh, at 17 I was baptized into the Amish church to my very disappointment I found out that uh, I was very disappointed I, I, I didn't feel any better didn't feel any different after I was baptized than I did before I was taught that baptism washes away the sins and uh, I, I found it uh, I was just as laden with sin afterwards and I had no more power than I did before but I wanted to escape all and so I moved to another area at 21 years of age we were on our own and I left home moved to another area where my brother lived built a cabin there and lived alone in the cabin it was in her community. Uh, I didn't know her at the time. I hadn't met her about a year before. She could tell you how she met me at that time at a wedding. A wedding to the one I had the heartbreak over. But uh, anyway, uh, she could give you more information on that. Maybe you want to share a little bit. Yes, I met this. Uh, I had heard before I ever went to this wedding in his community, I had heard about the situation, that how heartbroken he is, and uh, he can't have her back after stopping... Uh, Starting and stopping several times, she didn't trust him anymore, so she wouldn't take him back and how heartbroken he was. So I kept asking through the day, um, who is this Roman Coffin? Where is he? I'd like to see him. You know, I thought he would probably be weeping at her, his ex-girlfriend's wedding. And um, he was happy, and he was when he was pointed out, and I, he was so friendly to me. And I remember every word he talked to me that evening. He doesn't, I but don't. I do. <laughs> anyway... Um, I met, uh, I met my wife at that area where I moved to, where I lived alone in a cabin. We got married, and uh, we moved to a new settlement and started farming. Okay, when I was 15 years old, I'm going to be reading a lot of this because it goes faster, and we have little time. When I was 15 years old, my parents moved to Pennsylvania from Ohio. They wanted to move to a smaller community where the young people had a higher standard of morals. That did something to me. I started reading a small red Gideon Testament in the evening before going to bed. I did most of it in secret as I didn't want my two older sisters to find out that I was becoming a goody-goody. Uh, that's what we called all people that became religious. And uh, after all three of us mar were married, uh, sisters, we were together one day talking about our youth days. We discovered all three of us did the very same thing each evening. Going into the bathroom, locking the door, and kneeling in front of the bathtub, and we prayed. 
and we didn't know it about each other until after we were married and we all got saved. Uh, two and a half years after moving to Pennsylvania is when we got married then. She was 18 and mm-hmm. I was 21. After being married to Roman, I became aware how ignorant I was concerning Scripture. I didn't know the Bible contained letters written by Paul, and I didn't know what the four Gospels were. I had no idea I was a Gentile and so forth. Roman was brought up much more religious than what I was. Even though none of us were saved, he was still a lot more religious than I was. Going back to when I was 17, how disappointed I was at my baptism. My eighth grade teacher, one day, my eighth grade teacher, when I was in eighth grade, we went to school. It was Mondays after there was a baptism in our church. Uh, the day before, we asked, well, why do people get baptized anyways? And she programmed my mind that uh, baptism washes away sins. So I was really hoping all my sins would be finished till I got baptized. And uh, I tried, the day I got baptized, I was so looking forward to this, thinking I'm going to be totally sinless, ready to die. And afterward, I felt exactly the same, and I was very disappointed. And something came up that afternoon with one of my friends and me. We were talking about something, and I got really angry inside about what she said. And all the whole way home from, from church that day, I was wondering, did I sin now or didn't I? Did I sin or didn't I? You know, and it was just confusing because I, did feel, I felt absolutely no better than I had before. I was just a wet sinner. Uh, when a first child was born... Two of Roman's sisters came to the hospital to visit me and the baby. They brought me a little musical baby carriage with several green plants in it. The day after I came home from the hospital with my baby, I I wound up this musical baby carriage just to listen and play. And (laughs) something happened to me. I cried and cried. I can't explain what it was except that God was calling me and then also giving me a glimpse of what heaven must be like. And this was all before I was saved. I remember telling Roman when he came in afterwards that if heaven is any better than this, then I will do everything it takes to make sure that this baby, which is Martha, goes to heaven. Martha's the one that's in... I'm sorry. Martha's the one that's in the Nin our oldest daughter. And that's the one I said, I want to do everything I can so she'll go to heaven. And she's, she's working in Bedin. She's the one that lost her only son last August. <clears throat> when I was pregnant with my second child, a man came around selling Arthur Maxwell Bible story sets. We bought a set. Along with this set came a book titled Desire of Ages by Alan G. White, a Seventh-day Adventist. We put it on the shelf. It was hard to understand. It's way too deep for us. I mean, it went right over our head. Um, I read through the whole ten-volume set of Bible stories over the time that I was recuperating after our second child was born. I was so fascinated and excited to read some of these stories. I finally learned the sequence of some of these Bible stories, which I never knew before. I had heard the stories from time to time in church, but I never knew the sequence of it. And I was so excited. I wanted to tell everybody about it because I thought nobody knew it. You know, I didn't know that not everybody's as ignorant as I was. But these, the, reading these Bible stories gave me a thirst to learn more about the Bible. Fifteen months after our second child was born, we had our third one, and again, fifteen months later, our fourth one. I absolutely loved my children and my babies. Yes, I was extremely busy. You know, I, I did laundry every day. I didn't have a washer or dryer like I have she today. She lived on the farm and she helped milk. <laughs> yeah, but I washed 
every day with my ringer washer was busy, but it was a joy and a pleasure beyond what I could have imagined before I had my own children. In spite of my love for my children, I started questioning God for giving us another child just so he could throw them into hell when they die. I mean, I had no way of knowing. I felt the chances for them to go to heaven were so slim that what's the point to have any more? And right around this time, I came across the book, Desire of Ages, the one, the little book that came along with the Bible story set, Desire of Ages, and it was stashed in a shelf in our bedroom for these several years since we had gotten the set. Uh, as I was, I was house cleaning one day, and as I was cleaning off these shelves, I came across this book, and I opened the book, and it just happened to open uh, right at Christ's crucifixion. I don't know if any of you ever read that or not, but it was right at Christ's crucifixion. I started reading, and I was totally captivated. I mean, I had never... Somehow God put something in my heart that I was understanding something I never understood before. I, I think I was still sitting cross-legged on our bed when Roman came into the house for supper. I had totally, totally forgotten that I was supposed to have supper ready for him. I stopped all my cleaning and was reading all afternoon. Uh, I really didn't know at the time why I was so captivated. I know now that it was God calling me and God convicting me and giving me a hunger for truth. After that day, I, I told Rome in my experience, and after that day, we started reading that book, and we still, uh, we started seeing ourselves as Pharisees. I mean, we saw, she describes Pharisees in there, and we started seeing ourselves as Pharisees. You know, we still have the book, it's all marked up, the cover is off, and I'm not saying I recommend the whole book, because it's, we didn't know at the time that it was Seventh-day Adventist, but God used it at that time in the stage we were at. We started becoming under heavy con conviction, although we had no clue what conviction was. We just knew we felt ugly and condemned. Around this same time, we found out that my brother attended revival meetings with his young son, Mark. My mom told me that little Mark was walking around saying, praise the Lord. We were absolutely shocked. I mean, we were alarmed. To us, that meant he is getting this strange belief. Uh, and eventually that will lead to leaving our sect of people, which it always did. That was a threat to our family ties and social life. We were a close family and got together every chance we had. We opposed my brother strongly until one day I walked into their home and I seen a tattered New Testament laying on his kneehold desk. I remember seeing it on the kneehold desk and I was there and I was so shocked. My brother, who was got more spankings than any, anybody else in the family when I was growing up, was reading, and it was tattered. He must be reading. And my pride did not allow me to look at it when he was seeing me, so I looked away and pretended I didn't see it. But every time he looked away, I looked at it again to make sure that it's being read. And uh, uh, Anyways, after coming home, we started, because we had debates with my brother before that, and we had nothing to refute him with. But after coming home, we started having Bible reading, him and I. We wanted ammunition to refute him. And we also wanted to better ourselves. We sold our farm where we were milking 40 to 60 cows. We just we got under heavy conviction, and we thought if simple is good, simpler must be better. So we moved to another farm, that another, another total different Amish, uh, could you say, sect? That was much, much stricter than what her and I ever knew growing up. 
But anyway, going back, after marriage I studied and memorized Bible <coughs> verses without the Spirit of God to interpret for me. I was taught from childhood that anyone that says that he knows he's saved is boasting. And so that was a no-no. Anybody that talked like that had this strange belief and you couldn't know you're saved. And, uh, but as I read the Bible I got stuck with Hebrews 11 verse 1. How many of you know, how many of you know German? Anybody know German? Okay, well, it says in German, der Glauben ist eine gewisse Zuversicht an dem, was man hofft und nicht zweifelt an dem, was man nicht sieht. That's what it says in German. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Translate the German right over into our everyday English, it'll say something like this. Faith is a positive confidence in that which I expect, and I don't even doubt in that which I do not see. And I looked at that, and I looked at that, and it didn't make any sense in what I had been taught. And so there was the wedge that the Holy Spirit put in. And I'm telling you, if you're brought up wrong to believe something wrong, the first thing that's got to happen before you accept something else is you've got to see the old is false. And so I saw that. And uh, I, that verse, I couldn't get out around that verse. And I, I read and reread it and I studied and studied what those words in German mean. But uh, about that time, uh, my brother Abner, he had left the Amish ten years before and he was an outcast. He, he was not welcome coming home to any of us children. Remember I had said there was 14 of us. My sister had left and joined the beaches years before. But all the rest of us were still old order Amish. And Abner was not welcome around our place. I was a little more lenient than some of the other brothers and sisters. They all say to this day that was my downfall. But anyway, uh, he, one day he came to visit us. And of course I had all kinds of ammunition stashed up that I thought I had against this brother of mine. And I would bring up verses in the Bible like uh, mark those that cause divisions and have beliefs contrary to which ye have learned and avoid them. Things like that, Romans uh, chapter 16. And when he was there, you know, I, I challenged him with these scriptures. And, and in the dialogue, he had a lot of things that, that really spoke to me that I couldn't refute. And uh, he left that evening then, but it was just another primer to get my, my wife and I to, to, uh, to go deeper. And at that time also, my my older brother and his children were among the youth group and I saw drinking going on and drugs starting to come in and smoking and all oh, the stuff was just corrupt and my wife and I decided there's no way that we want to raise children in a community like this and, and so and we had four children at that time and so we decided to what I said move to another community across the mountain where where they were very very strict and very um, I mean I grew up with a lot of things liberty of a lot of things. For instance, we had 40 cows at the time and we had milkers and bulk tanks and all of that and they didn't allow milkers over there so we moved over there and we went back to milking 14 cows by hand. And by the way, let's not forget it, she milked them twice by herself. 14 cows. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll share it later. I got saved while milking a cow. Yeah. Uh, we moved across the mountain in Paz Valley. The farm we bought had been occupied for 20 or had been unoccupied for 20 or more years, except for one lone hermit man who lived alone in the house for up, house up to five years before we bought it. It had sat empty for five years. It was a large limestone house with five fireplaces in it. We worked at it for six months to remodel it and also add a new kitchen and so forth. As long as we kept busy, we could shove these nagging convictions aside, because the very convictions that took us to this place, but they caught up on us again. We moved in January. It was a bitter cold 
winter. The ground was frozen four feet deep that winter. It was too cold to do much more than the absolute necessary things outside. Our daily chores consisted of going up to the mountain, which was right behind us, with a horse and bobsled to get loads of wood to keep our three stoves burning, and also dipping water out of our old dug well enough to water all our livestock. We had not drilled the well yet. There was not, e not even a pipe on the whole farm that, when we bought it. Uh, that first winter, we had a lot of time to read, think, and talk. I was starved for spiritual conversation. Every time even a feed salesman was outside talking with Roman, I'd stand at the window watching, longing and hoping they were talking about God. Or at least, at least something spiritual so that Roman could tell me about it when he'd come in. Always the first words I said when he came in the house was, did you have any spiritual conversation with anyone? I think you have to read this. <laughs> if he said no, I was, I was so very disappointed. Before our move, we had already started having family devotions each morning. We bought two New Testaments with both German and English. We first read a chapter in German in, in case, uh, to ease our conscience. We then read the same chapter in English to understand it better. From January through December, before we, from January through December, before we then got saved, we went through severe so-called labor pains. We were under heavy conviction of the Holy Spirit, but didn't know it. The more we searched and read the Scriptures, the more convicted or condemned it we felt. And yet, there was something that kept us searching. The Scriptures were a schoolmaster, bringing us to Christ, like the Bible says, but we didn't understand it at that time. One December Sunday morning, we went to church, like usual. On that morning, I remember going to church. I remember sitting there, and, and uh, that fall we had baptized a bunch of young people in the church. And I remember sitting there and looking around, and all of a sudden it just really struck me. I was the only grown-up person sitting up listening. All the rest were sleeping. And the preacher was standing there talking, and it, and I, it just it, it angered me. And on the way home, uh, I remember the, very, the driveway going in in our horse and buggy, we had three children in the back, one on her lap in the front, and uh, one on the lap on the, on the front, and I, was, I, just, I started lashing out, and I said, what is this? I mean, is this what Christianity is? And uh, I remember the very spot. I remember the horse walking in. We were going in, and, and I just, I lashed out, and she rebuked me, and she said, the people are trying to do the best they know how. And I said at that time, I said, I wish I could somehow, somehow, uh, Asked, uh, if I had a request that I could ask God and he would answer that request I would request that I could talk with my brother Abner because I believe he has the answer and uh, anyway why don't you go on yeah we were frustrated nothing made sense anymore we were disillusioned what is life all about anyways get born live die and go to hell we were so warned against deception that even in our desperate searching we were afraid to ask many questions asking questions would indicate we are doubting our own religion we were brought up in it was drilled in us from childhood that a zweifler is unbeständig in all his severe, meaning a, a doubter is unstable in all his ways. So that Sunday in church, we, we wanted answers. I no longer wanted to crawl in bed each evening, shuddering at the thought of my end. Evening after evening, while laying in bed, we talked, what if Jesus would return tonight and we'd hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. I'd shudder at the very thought. I, the only way I could fall asleep is I comforted myself with the thought that Jesus knows that we want what is right. And I could fall asleep, but every evening it was a repeat for I don't know how long, just a repeat, a repeat, that we just shuddered thinking of what if Christ would come. Anyways, this Sunday on our way home from church, 
We were so desperate that Roman cried. He lashed out. I mean, like he said, I tried to calm him, even though I felt exactly the same way inside. And he said he made the remark that if he would, if God would grant him only one wish, he wishes that he could have a talk with his brother. And while milking that evening, we went out to our barn. We were milking. He made the same remark again. If only God would grant me one wish. We were finished milking. We came into the house and we made supper. And we were sitting there. We were finished eating with our four children around the table. We looked at each other. It was December the 18th. What now? I mean, it was like an oppression hanging over us. It felt like almost we could we could cut the oppression with a knife. We didn't know it was so heavy. Uh, it was the Lord brooding over us, and we didn't know it. And Roman just started saying at the supper table, when we looked at each other again for the third time, he said, if only God would grant me one wish. And he wasn't finished saying it. We saw headlights coming in our driveway, which we nobody ever came in our half-long driveway Sunday evenings that kind of half a mile long. Yeah. Anyway, that evening... Uh, we hadn't, I hadn't more than said that when those headlights came in. I have to back up a little bit. My brother Abner was a minister in a Mennonite church uh, north of us, perhaps 60, 70 miles. And that day the Lord laid on his heart to come and visit us. Uh, he, he didn't visit us once in five years. Uh, he had a, a year or two before that when in the milk house I was talking about when him and I had a chat. But that, that evening or that morning before he went to church and he had the message that day in church, the Lord laid on his heart to come and visit us. And and so he told his wife that if they finished milking, he was also a farmer, if they finished milking by 6 o'clock that evening, they'll come. So that evening they left and they went. And on the way, there was a road that would go over to my sister, which was with the Beachy Church, Amish Church, and at least she could understand him. He was very tempted to just turn over there. He said, I don't know how I'm going to meet it at Romans. I'm not even sure that he won't shut the door on me. And, uh, and so when he got to the, the road, he later told me that there was no way he could. He said it was just like an unseen hand kept him. Anyway, he, uh, he kept coming, and uh, when the headlights came into our, our, our uh, lane, we didn't have electricity, we had no porch lights or nothing, and uh, we waited until the car stopped and the man came to the door and knocked, and so I went to the door, and I opened the door, and there was my brother, after I had said that uh, I wish I could talk to my brother, and if there was something I wished of God that would come true, well, he just give me a request, that would be to talk to my brother, and not him not knowing how I'm going to react to his coming to the door. He, uh, he, just, he was as flabbergasted as I was. Uh, I opened the door and I said, Abner, I said, you have no idea how glad I am to see you. And uh, anyway, he came in that evening and we were, he was there to about 1 o'clock in the morning. We could go into detail. He tried to show us the truth, but I could not get past that I'm a sinful man and God is holy and there's no way I could see or at least exercise the faith that he could accept me. And so I didn't get saved that night. We did. Before they left, they said he, he said that he wants to pray for us. And we allowed him to pray. And uh, in that prayer, my wife was a little... She cheated. You tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, I was, when he was explaining salvation and he tried to get us to believe what Christ did on the cross for us, and he just couldn't believe. And, and <coughs> being that I'm a born follower and he's a born leader, I was waiting on him to say, yes, we believe it. Finally, I couldn't be quiet anymore. I said... Well, I looked at him and I said, Roman, we believe that it makes, it just made so much sense what Christ went on the cross for. He had our sins in that cup. And when I said, I turned to him and I said, Roman, we believe that. And Abner said something that scared me so bad. He said, I think you almost have it. And I thought, ooh, I sipped my mouth shut. I was not going to say anything because I was afraid fire would fall from heaven. You know, I was looking for an experience or something instead of just by faith. 
So I was quiet that evening and didn't get safe that evening. But when he went down on his knees to pray before he left, like he said, all of a sudden I heard somebody praying, that, and, and I didn't know he had a book along. I mean, I thought, how does he know how to pray? We were used to praying out of a book, and how can some? But I didn't see a, a prayer book or anything. So I peeked, and, uh, and, and to my shock, I mean, he was on his knees with his hands raised up like this, and he was praying with his eyes closed, and there was no book in sight. And I thought to myself, this must be, he must be from God, because God, only God can give someone words to pray like that. So I decided, I, I, made, I knew before then, then already, but I, I wanted to be half someday what he has. Anyway, the next day, I, uh, I was brooding over some of the thoughts he had given me, but I couldn't believe. And, and I was working with my hired man that had come that day, and he was talking about the youth activities, and I just wished he'd shut up because I was so hard trying to get through with this, and I couldn't get through, and I didn't dare talk to him about it because this is a secret thing. I mean, you let anything of that out, I mean, you're, you're a duck. I mean, you're going to get it. And so I, I didn't say anything to him, but he left, went home that evening. My wife came out, started milking our 14 cows, and I still had the team of horses to put away. But I was thinking and thinking and thinking, and my heart was crying out to God. And while I was uh, unharnessing the horses, right in the midst of it, I could take you to the spot. I could tell you within 10 feet where I stood. I was, uh, I was taking the reins off the horse, and this voice kept saying, Just submit. Just believe. Just take God at His word. Just believe. And all of a sudden, I believed. All of a sudden, I just believe. I can't explain it. I dropped my, where I was going. I forgot about my horses. Let them go where they want to go. I went into the barn. She was sitting there milking. I walked up behind her and the, where she was milking a cow. And I said, Mary, I said, for the first time in my life, I'm not afraid to die. As I was milking, I heard him coming in the door. And uh, so I looked around and uh, looking who's coming in the door. And <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think it was a halo around his head because I saw immediately that he had peace. And, and I knew he's got it, he's got it, because all day long we were just thinking about this and searching. And uh, he came, when he came and stood right behind me as I was milking this cow, and he told me um, that for the first time in my life, I'm not afraid to die. I think I've, I've grasped it. And I said to him, I was never so glad to hear anybody say anything in all the world than this, but I wish I could say it too. But I said, I can't. So he went back out, finished putting his horses away, and came in and started milking right across the aisle from me. And he looked over at me and he said, you know, isn't it stupid that people say you can't know you're safe? And I said, yes, that's stupid. And we started talking. We started milking. We started talking. The faster we talked, the faster we milked. And before we were finished milking that cow, before I was finished milking that cow, I believed. All it took was for me to know that he's believing. So somewhere in those few seconds or minutes there that I was milking that cow, I got saved. We got, uh, we got to cut this short. Uh, anyway, um, I guess I could say all hell broke loose. Uh, within a week or so I, I couldn't shut up if there was one thing that the Lord told me it was to tell other people so you don't do that and think that the lion is going to let you go I'll tell you what I, we got persecuted immediately and my dad is a, was a dad of, of in the ministry for years and years and he knew what happens when somebody gets disbelief and he got but, but he, he had heard a little bit but he wasn't sure so him and mom decided to come and visit us one Sunday evening and her brother and her brother-in-law at that time got saved too. They came to visit us that evening and, and we were just going to have a happy good time tonight and we're going to share what we experienced when my dad and mom walked in the door. Where her brothers, uh, brother and sister, they went home. And so my parents stayed there for the night and that evening, I wasn't sure, I knew I had to say something to my dad and mom about it 
And I wasn't sure. And I remember going off by myself and praying that God, please, somehow open the door that I can say something. And the Lord, the Lord just opened it so nice. We were in the living room, my mom and my dad sitting there. And uh, my, my mom started a conversation, which I knew was of the Lord. She said, Roman, she said, we find out that the youth are into this and this and this and this again. What shall we do, she said. And I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, the prob- whole problem is they need to be born again. It opened the door. And uh, anyway, that from there it went to my dad said, we, we have heard that you're starting with this strange belief. And he said, he said, I see that we're too late. And I asked my dad, I said, what does it mean? What does Kavisi 2 verse 6 mean in the German in that verse? What does positive confidence mean? Or what? I, I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I can't take you from the German, that word anyway. He, he said it means confidence. And, uh, but anyway, him and mom, they were so disappointed. They got up weeping, and I'm a parent now, and my heart goes out to them. Uh, they got up weeping, went upstairs to their bed. And her and I went to bed, and we were laying there. We couldn't sleep. We couldn't sleep. I, all of a sudden, it hit me. I have my own parents in my own home, and they don't feel welcome in my home. And it really hit me. Uh, we laid in bed there a long time. My parents were in the room upstairs, and, and finally I got out of bed, and I went upstairs. I'm not sure I can tell you this. You, you, why don't you take over? <laughs> he went upstairs, and he walked into the room, and I'm not sure did you say that... Uh, he said, it was dark, we didn't have electricity, mm-hmm. but I knew that mom which sat of the bed, mom would be sleeping, and I went over on mom's side, and I just knelt beside the bed there, and I just... You, you, he said that, I see that uh, Christ said that he's going to come between parents and children, and I see that's what's happening, and can't we talk about it? And I said, I also, I said, I see that, that uh, I, I, I see this decision that I have to make, that I have made. And I said, I can't relinquish that decision. I can't, I can't change it. Then Dad said, you can if you want to. I said, no. I said, what I have received is worth more to me. And I said, I, I can't let it go. Anyway, from there, why don't you, we just skip a lot and you yeah, go on okay. toward the end of it. Uh, yeah, after we were saved the next day, it was like scales had fallen off of my eyes, whereas I did not understand scriptures before. They all made sense to me now. This promise is for me. I read over the promises. I could not stop reading. This was, we got saved on a Monday, and I read, and I read, and I read. I couldn't stop, and I, till Thursday, my eyes were hurting so bad, I could not read anymore, and I still kept reading through my hurt eyes. They got bloodshot and red, and finally I wore sunglasses in my, in the house, because the light coming in from the windows were hurting my eyes too much, and till Friday, I couldn't even sunglasses didn't even do it. I had a scarf wrapped around my eyes and I was laying on the sofa and I was just writhing in pain. My eyes were hurting so bad. I don't know whether the devil not wanting me to read anymore, but anyways, uh, it was so precious. The word was so, so precious. Uh, one, one day coming in for lunch, uh, the dinner wasn't quite ready or lunch wasn't quite ready and I, I got the, the old German hymn book and I started reading a song I could quote to you today yet. Wo ist Jesus, mein Verlangen, mein geliebter Herr und Freund. And I started singing this, and uh, I it, was weeping. It was, where is Jesus, my longing? Where have you been for so long? Where might you be found? Yeah, and where might you be found? Go ahead, there's your news. Yeah, where is Jesus, my desire? Where may he be found? As he, as he went on into the song, we got so excited. He started crying. It was so, so precious because we had found the answer. 
We now knew why we were born, and we now knew where we, why we are living, and we now knew where we are going once we die. The burden of our sin and condemnation was gone. One of my favorite songs we sing here in church, and you have it here too, is on page 934 in the hymnary, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? The last two verses always thrill my soul every time I sing it. It's hard for me to contain myself. Every time we sing, the dungeon flamed with light, I remember the bedroom in our Path Valley home. Night after night, how I was tormented with the thought of hell and how will I ever conquer or endure it. One of the biggest changes in my life after my conversion was how my thoughts were no longer consumed with thoughts of hell, but rather they were of now of heaven. I no longer feared having more children, as I knew there was a way open for them to get to heaven. I would have an answer for them. We had stopped having children after our fourth child until after we were saved. There's four years between Dora and Jason. Dora was born before we were saved, and Jason was born after we were saved. And we had five precious children after we were saved, and we have an answer for them and our grandchildren. May the Lord be praised. <laughs> 